Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, however you think the out-of-home sector is travelling through COVID, there's one area that's positively booming – programmatically traded digital out-of-home. So far this year, 25% of Australian agencies have traded digital out-of-home for the first time, according to the IAB, and advertisers like HBF and Deliveroo are all over it. We'll hear shortly how those brands are using distinct day parts, disparate locations, known prospective customers, and all manner of data sources to change messaging and turn it on and off in an instant. And the market at large seems to be loving it. JC Deco is three months into rolling out its global programmatic platform in Australia with ambitions to have 15% of its revenues traded that way by 2023. It looks like it might beat that target early, although I don't want to jinx anyone. So with us today for an update on how the digital out-of-home market is tracking, we have a super lineup. Steve O'Connor, CEO at JC Deco, is joined by HBF's Head of Marketing and Engagement, Louise Arda, Gay Leroy, CEO at the IAB, and Cass Cameron, Executive General Manager, Revenue and Strategy operations at JC Deco. Welcome to you all. Now, Steve, we might start with you first. Um, Australia is following a bunch of other markets, international markets, where JC Deco has already launched its programmatic trading initiative. Give us a quick global view on, on how those markets are behaving and, and your expectations for Australia, Steve. It seems to have taken off here, maybe to a little bit of surprise to many or not. Welcome, by the way. Thanks, Paul. And, and, and thanks, for, thanks for having us. Um, it, from a global perspective, JC Deco has been on the programmatic journey now since about 2018. Uh, we use uh, an SSP called VIEW um, exclusively um, as our su- supply side platform, uh, essentially through VIEW, um, which is connected to 32 DSP partners globally. We're enabling advertisers to buy multiple digital channels, including out of home, most importantly out of home, through one buying point, offering more holistic targeting and buying across all those programmatic channels and faster analytical insight across omni-channel campaigns. So, so viewers attempting in, you know, simple, in, in simple terms to aggregate the out-of-home publisher market to try to make digital out-of-home easy to buy by providing a market-based SSP, one, one point of contact. So VIEW is now trading in 13 JC Deco countries. We operate in some 80-odd countries around the world with more to follow. Uh, we've actually got at a local level, New Zealand coming on in the next month or so. So in Australia, we've been preparing for our programmatic uh, launch for well over a year now, having done a soft launch last year uh, with a lot of test and learn campaigns. And as you mentioned, a full market launch in April this year. So the other countries that JC Deco is actively trading in, trading programmatically in, include Germany, UK, France, US, China, amongst a, a n- number of others. And Australia is doing doing well relative to these other markets with the acceptance of trading digital out-of-home programmatically. You know, we're slightly behind Germany, which is a sophisticated out-of-home market and, and sophisticated digital out-of-home programmatic market. Uh, so we're happy with our progress to date. Um, we, we've set ourselves an objective, as you mentioned, of trading 15% of our digital um, revenues by 2023. 
and the conservative expectation this year of trading around 2 to 4% of our digital revenues programmatically. So calendar year to date, we're sitting at about 5%. So, um, and in the month of June, interestingly enough, we wrote some 9% of our revenues, our digital revenues programmatically. So we're, so we're exceeding our expectations. Um, and as you know, Australia is a sophisticated media and, and out-of-home market. So it's, so it's not surprising for the right type of offering for the market to receive it, to receive it well. So it's all going well. We'll get to Steve. We'll get to Gay in a, in a few minutes. But you know that stat from the IAB that says twenty five percent of of agencies have traded for the first time in digital out of home programmatic digital out of home this year. That's sort of a really big jump very quickly, isn't it? I, I think so. Yeah, we, we've been quite quite buoyed by the fact that um, the take up has been as, as strong strong as it has. And at the moment, I think we've only traded with three out of the five major holding groups at this particular point, with the other two hold, bigger holding groups coming on online shortly. And quite a few of the smaller agencies haven't started to trade programmatically yet as well. So there's lots of lots of upside to be had from sort of just expanding the client base. But 25% is a great start. Louise, I know you'll be listening to all this um, this this media talk going right. I'm I'm in I'm uh, I've got a brand and I need to get some customers. But it's uh, before we get to your view on on why you're using um, digital out of home programmatically and the things you're doing there. Um, it's, we, we were chatting the other day. It's really interesting where HBF is is at the moment. It's in a in a really important moment actually. You're expanding from your home base in WA and sort of taking on the east coast and getting these easterners to take out your insurance, your health insurance. Just give us a sense, um, Louise, of what you're up to there and, and what's this expansion and what you're trying to achieve. There's a lot of brand building, top priority, I'd imagine. Absolutely. Well, HBF is a West Australian brand, but actually this week we turned 80. So we've been around for quite some time. And in recent years, um, because we're a non-for-profit and a member-focused organisation, but we've de- decided to take our offering to the East Coast. And and obviously it's a really different marketplace when you're a 50% market share owner here and you're a 5% in the East Coast. We've got a lot of work to do to kind of make sure people know who we are and what we stand for. So the, it's been a process of understanding um, where we want to land, who we want to talk to, and also to look at our proposition. And that's where we've been delighted with our creative um, platform of the Quokkas, which is particularly West Australian. And we've been trying to create and um, generate some fast fame using the Quokkas as a way to talk about HBF. And we've had some quite some great success on that. We launched um, in earnest in February 2019 onto the East Coast. And you can imagine back then, um, as we all were pre-COVID, excited about dramatic um, takeovers and transit uh, out of home and all of those things. And of course, within a very short period of time, all of that had to be kind of changed and moved around because of COVID. So we've had a bit of a false start, but a really positive and a really encouraging start on the East Coast. And so creating fast fame, we've been looking at a number of channels that will amplify the quokka and the message of HBF being member focused. And Addressable Out of Home has been absolutely brilliant for that and also has uh, augmented our program. Well, give us a quick lowdown there, Louise, on HBS expansion and why digital out of a home is, is a, I guess it's a priority media channel for you. What is it that's attractive about the digital part of it, the programmatic part, but the platform itself? What's what's um, your thinking on, on that front? Yeah, look, we've, we've embarked upon it for a recent campaign um, from April to June of this year, and it's our pocket savings campaign where we've been talking about the affordability, the quality affordability of our care um, and coverage and um, being able to utilise um, 
marquee sites, large outdoor marquee sites, and then augmenting them with um, programmatic out of home to support the consumer journey has been a way to kind of identify where our audiences are. We feel that we've been able to um, optimise uh, the reach and optimise the impact of our communication and be quite flexible in the marketplace. And, and I've referred to COVID, but actually that is some confidence that uh, advertisers have been able to gain, which is when you make a booking, you can actually pivot, change and um, move around through your um, out of home, digital out of home and create a lot more flexibility in your proposition and your awareness gathering. So that's one part of it, the flexibility and, and being able to use different creative platforms through those different channels. But also it's really the um, ability to phase and um, develop the campaign as you are increasing your awareness consideration into conversion. And we would hope to be able to look at that as we get closer to our retail outlets or any of our um, important points of contact in HBF on the East Coast. Are you doing different creative messaging then as well, Louise, depending on where you're targeting, where you're landing? Yeah, that's a great question. We we really hope to. I think that's probably a vagary and an opportunity within the channel. Um, for the first test for April to June, we kept it kind of high level, but we're already considering how we might be able to nuance some of the messages as we get further and further down the uh, consideration uh, and conversion funnel. So look, I think that's an opportunity, but it's also a challenge for um, advertisers or, or clients, as it were, to be able to kind of source that production capability to, to seek uh, that level of um, nuanced work. What have been some of the results so far then? I know it's been a really sort of volatile and fractured sort of uh, year so far, so it's a pretty hard to sort of get some consistency, but so far, what are you seeing? Yeah, look, we're delighted with the kind of impact we've had. And, and you've got to remember on the East Coast, we're a challenger and in the West Coast, we're a champion. And so uh, national growth is at plus 55%. And in WA, that's uh, an increase of 37% year on year and 84% increase year on year on the East Coast. So some really, I mean, some really positive results for us. And our main aim is to drive growth in consideration of the HBF brand. And we've been really comfortable and positive about how we've been able to do that. Just to be clear, so how have you used digital out of home uh, or programmatic digital out of home and out of home generally? How detailed and how sophisticated have you got at this point and where do you think you'll get to? Yeah, to be fair, I think we've done it fairly traditionally in as much as of buying major sites. And then depending upon where our audiences have been, we have bought um, digitally through those particular channels. So it's a matter of kind of testing environment, seeing how we perform against um, the metrics we're looking to achieve and then buying into those markets where we want to get the greatest effect. So, so you're able to see, you're able to see uh, and follow your prospects, potential customers around and message them where they may be in a mobile context. Is that right? No, we're not at that stage right. yet. I think that's kind of another part of, of this conversation um, and also really mindful of you know consumer rights, et cetera. We are yeah. pretty much talking about understanding where we see the markets, uh, where our particular target audiences are and buying into those places where they are most frequent and being able to do that with a targeted approach to who we want to attract and who we want to appeal to. And your second question was about how we would like to do it in a bit more detail. And you know, we do think about how we will be able to nuance the creative through the consumer channel. I think that's a really exciting part about being able to um, appeal to a consumer and grab their attention and through their um, consideration journey and even in their um, 
proximity to the point of impact or sale or intent, we can change the messaging up. And I think that's quite exciting when you're thinking about the various ways of us um, communicating with our member and or our potential members about health insurance. Cass Cameron, you've got some uh, other sort of really interesting case studies of what brands have been doing in the early stages, again, prefaced by the fact that it's all, all been a bit fractured in a crazy market, but some other case studies there of, of how advertisers have been using digital out of home in a programmatic context. Yeah, of course, Paul. I think we've seen some really diverse programmatic campaigns run since we launched our programmatic offering earlier this year, and I think it's great to see advertisers leveraging the many benefits that programmatic out of home brings to the table. I think you mentioned the crazy times we're living in and a few recent examples that do come to mind and are very front of mind given recent circumstances. We've had campaigns from WA Health, New South Wales Health, Vic Health, um, all wanting to display fairly urgent messaging in response to snap lockdowns or changes in, in health advice. And we've been able to get campaigns live in as short as two hours from briefing. Um, with the advertiser then able to change their creative in real time at their own discretion as that advice is changing. So similar to some of the, the comments Louise made, I think that really highlights both the speed to market but the operational efficiencies that are enabled by a programmatic execution. I think another campaign that I got really excited about um, and unfortunately was paused as a result of COVID, but Deliveroo, who were looking to really amplify their AFL sponsorship with tactical game day activity in close proximity to Marvel Stadium. And they were looking to reward footy fans with tailored offers relative to the teams that were playing or the, the day of the week, weather, etc. Unfortunately, that campaign was paused as a result of a lockdown in Melbourne. But again, I think that in itself really highlights the flexibility and control that's associated with this way of buying. And we're really excited to have that campaign back live um, as footy returns to Melbourne. I think looking at sort of data targeting um, and enhanced data usages, we saw a campaign recently by a large Australian retailer who was looking to utilise multiple retail offers, targeting shoppers across both large format and street furniture where they could see that the density of their audience was high. Now, this retailer hasn't invested much in out of home historically. Effectively, they are new to the channel, but they saw a 26% uplift in store footfall while their programmatic out of, home, out of home campaign rather was live. And I think this has not just been a great result for them, but it's provided them the confidence to then go ahead and lay down a significant out of home investment for the next financial year, which they're looking to tactically upweight programmatically during that campaign period. So I think that sort of hybrid campaign approach is what we'll increasingly see from advertisers who want to connect both brand and performance outcomes um, over long-term campaigns. I don't, I don't suppose, Cass, though, you're going to tell me who the retailer is, are you? I'd love to tell you, Paul, but unfortunately today I can't. <laughs> we, get, we, we, might, we might be able to share more with you. At least I've tried. I've tried. Now, that, those sort of examples you gave, Cass, are you seeing that sort of interest with certainly with the agencies and advertisers? Is that is that awareness of what they can do starting to sort of fuel some more exploration around how, how this medium can be used? Definitely. I think as advertisers understand more about the possibilities of programmatic out of home and the varied benefits and opportunities that it brings, we are seeing more and more advertisers interested in, in trying it out. 
I think as well as we see more supply brought to the market, we're seeing advertisers have a greater confidence that if they ad- if they allocate funding or budgets to programmatic out-of-home executions, that they can get those campaigns away successfully. The other executions I think we're really excited about is where we're seeing advertisers who have traditionally bought digital media um, looking to complement those digital executions with programmatic out of home. So we saw a telco provider extend their digital campaign with a street furniture execution, and they then matched exposed devices to subsequent website traffic or website visits. Um, during that campaign, they had over 20,000 website visitations and over 80% of those visitations were associated with a device that had been exposed to the out-of-home campaign. So another great example of the power of out-of-home to amplify omni-channel campaigns. Um, I think what we haven't yet seen in, in Australia, but we hope to see really soon, are executions partnering out of home with mobile successfully. And we've seen that a lot overseas. Virgin Active campaign comes to mind. They ran mobile alongside programmatic out of home and saw a 2.35 times footfall uplift um, relative to the previous single channel activation that they'd run. So I think anyone familiar with out of home you know, it's well documented that out of home does have the ability to boost the effectiveness of our and ROI of other media channels and being able to buy out of home programmatically alongside those other media channels makes it much easier for advertisers to amplify those campaign outcomes and really make all of the channels work more effectively for them. Galeroy, I suppose none of this is sort of a, a surprise to you. Um, some of the work that, that you've been doing at the IAB has seen a lot of action around this sort of area, right? You've been you've been doing forums and educationals and reports and you name it. You are you're almost Miss Digital out of home, I would say. Ms. I should almost, say. Almost, 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 almost the operative word there. So, w- what are the key observations that you're seeing in the sector from from the digital side of things, from the digital market? Uh, market? Okay. Yeah, and it's been really interesting. And, and, you know, Steve, Louise and Cass have almost summarised our research to sort of living and breathing what we've seen. So we've um, had a working group looking at digital at home for probably the last year and a half, two years, and it's the quickest growth area I've seen in terms of people being interested from all sides of the, for the industry. And, and Paul, you mentioned earlier that sort of stat around the sort of new people to the industry and new people to investing in programmatic digital out of home. Um, and, the, and the really interesting thing, and I guess the challenge and the opportunity is it's two different types of people. It's people that are um, traditional digital out of home buyers who are trying to learn about digital and then digital out of home people um, oh, sorry, digital people who are trying to learn about out of home and they speak quite different languages. So it's been really important for the IAB to try and bring those worlds together um, and, and just start talking the same language, but also the opportunities that, that come from that. Just out, just on that, that when you're speaking the same language, where's the crossover been? Who's who's sort of adjusting their terminology and their thinking? How do we get to the middle? Although there's always healthy debate on, on who, who owns the sort of terminology. But yes, sorry. I, I, think there, I think there's different strengths. So if we look at the digital side of things, the targeting language, the data angle, you know, that flexibility, the operational efficiency, which we've we've talked about um, a lot today, is, is a natural home for a digital person. Whereas when you start talking about placement rules, um, about huge formats, it, it's quite new. Um, sign off for creative. Um, so there's a lot of things that the digital audience have to learn around um, how it can work best for them rather than just trying to um, have a s- one rule for an omni-channel programmatic campaign because it's not going to work. 
um, there's some nuances there. So I think there's a bit of learning from both sides, um, which is lovely to see. And, and you know, like from, from an out-of-home side of things, the upside of getting digital buyers who may not have bought out-of-home before, I mean, that's a huge uh, market potential there. I just want to ask um, Louise on that too, because you would, uh, from a, from a marketer and brand perspective, this this is sort of all new territory to Louise, I'd imagine, and sort of the way that you kind of reconcile something that was bought a certain way, or the way you view a certain channel, and, and now it's changing. Well, how does that land with you? Oh, look, I'm excited about it. I think any marketer, contemporary marketer, needs to talk about integration. You know, audiences turn up everywhere. So, you know, to think about a traditional TV buy, actually these days you're looking at it with a BVOD buy as well. So I think the, the parallels are exactly there. I think I think the great opportunity and, and, you know, interestingly enough, talking to my team today about this, it's about blending the digital and the out-of-home together to create a greater customer impact. And I think that's the exciting thing. We're actually getting to contextualise a customer's journey through the life cycle of your brand. And that's quite powerful and it's quite... Um, you know, beneficial if you think that the benefits are there for your your consumer. So I think it's just a positive uh, in terms of how we're engaging with our consumers and how we're kind of building trust and building um, confidence. Yeah, I, I see it as all upside, really. Yeah, good. Okay, I cut you off. Sorry. Was there some other key? There would have been some other key watchouts or points that uh, has come out of the work that you've been doing at the IAB. So the the research that we did recently, which was attitudes to programmatic digital at a home, so not only gave us, I guess, a benchmark of understanding who's investing, but why they're investing, which we've spoken about a little bit. Um, on top of those sort of operational efficiencies. Um, and flexibility, there's there's a reach angle, particularly for those digital buyers, you know, how you're reaching more people with your campaign, which you may not have a- had access with your traditional uh, programmatic inventory. Um, I guess the, the thing that's really, I guess, um, exciting for me, and it might sound painful when I actually um, sort of flesh this out, but any any sort of new industry, we start talking about what do you need? What do you need for this industry to go? What do we need to give advertisers support? And, and the first couple of things are always really obvious, like it's education, it's case studies, um, really simple things. But digital out of home, programmatic digital out of homes already jumped to, we want standards, we want metrics, we want measurement, uh, which means the confidence is there to invest seriously over the coming years. Um, it's not just experimentation, it's embedded into their um, their plans for the next coming years. So um, there's a lot of, I guess, interesting work to be done to, to make sure there's not just harmonisation of different terminology, but actual, you know, real hard metrics and standards and best practice and um, advice to agencies and advertisers. Yeah, some some really interesting points there. Steve, I think, um, you know, a lot of the momentum that we're talking about at the moment in the market around uh, programmatic digital out of home is I think you argue from simply increased supply, right? It's there's there's a lot of supply in the market that's that's sort of meeting demand. It's sort of a self fulfilling, uh, um, not prophecy. That's a little bit too biblical, but it's a self fulfilling uh, trend, if you like. And 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 it's just not remnant inventory, right? You're putting quality stuff into into your into your vault or out of your vault, bringing it out and letting the market trade it. Yeah, that's right. We we haven't gone down the um, the remnant inventory market. At channel, um, this is something that we will con- will consider in time. Our, our model is to is to guarantee supply. So we have hived off five percent of all our digitally enabled signs, um, and there's a lot of them um, available to be bought programmatically. So we 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 are working on a sort of guaranteed supply model and supply of quality quality inventory. And I think that's really differentiated our, ourselves from perhaps what others have done um, and pr- probably I would suggest one of the sort of key drivers 
for our success. Well, Steve, it's certainly the case. You'd have to argue that was the case uh, with publishers, you know, five or six years ago when they were getting into programmatic. It was it was remnant that was sort of a test, just put the toe in the water with the with the lower quality. You're not doing that, clearly. No, I think, you know, as they experience, it's a bit of a race to the bottom. We, we still want it and we need to obtain, you know, good and growing, uh, improving yields on our on our inventory. And, and, the, and the way to do that is to offer that the good quality, good quality stuff. So that's that's what we've done, and you know, I think that we, we we've enabled pretty much every single digital screen we've got. We haven't bought all our environments on yet. We've still got um, airports and rail to bring on because we're just waiting for you know, those sort of audiences to reach a sort of level of normality there. That um, before we switch switch those on, and we've also got a very um, sort of robust program investment program in terms of digitising a lot more of the location. So yes, we'll bring on a lot more lot more inventory. But interestingly enough, as our DSP partners are telling us, and this talks to Gay's point, is that um, since we launched in April, they, they've sort of got the sense that roughly there's probably 50, 60% more inventory available now to trade programmatically since since we launched in April, which is sort of testament to everyone sort of jumping on the bandwagon to a point. Um, and, and it appears that it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's matching the, the demand, which, which is great. So, um, I think the other important point that sort of is attributes attributes to our success a bit is that the the view um, SSP operates in a fully transparent way. We we um, and meaning that 100% of the campaign budgets briefed through view is spent on media buying. Um, and the other point is that the view is solely focused um, on the SSP so on the supply side. We you know we don't we don't try to serve two masters. So there's no suggestion of any double dipping. So. Um, so I think that's also been a, a, a feature of, of, of our of our approach um, that's been well received well received by, by the market. I want I want to ask also, Steve. I think the, I think the intent here with View is to open this to the the entire out of home digital out of home market, right? Um, and, and, and in fact, to, to go as far as to to you know, get correct me if I'm wrong, but to offer equity or companies can take equity in in some sort of uh, aggregated model. Am I getting that right? That's spot on. We, we, we've tried to um, create a, 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 a build a, a completely independent business. It's, it, it sits outside at J City Co. And the offer is for any any sizable media vendor that wants to be part of that and put their inventory online that there is the opportunity for them to take equity in the in the business. So. We just feel that's you know one of the successes of 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 out of home is or recent success of out of home is market consolidation and then we think that there's an opportunity to bring the market together through a single point of contact um, that that makes makes a lot of sense. I'd imagine it's probably a bit early for this market, but is it happening uh, in international internationally? I believe it is. We've got a couple of different vendors that have supplied that put their inventory in view. Um, I think it's only early days and, and and relatively small at this point, but I think. You know, I think we've got something to prove first before before we'll probably get those bigger guys on board. Cash, Steve sort of talked, a little, just pointed to, touched on it. Well, what percentage of, of your screens can be traded programmatically now across your entire portfolio? Yeah, sure. So a hundred percent of our roadside digital large format and digital street furniture are currently enabled, and we are trading across those. As Steve said, we are looking to bring 100% of our digital airport inventory online shortly. Um, And while that might seem a little odd, given the significant reduction in airport audiences as a result of COVID, I think as passengers return to the skies again, and we know they will at the first opportunity, we've seen that before as restrictions eased. 
um, advertisers are going to want to be active in that space. It's a really lucrative environment for advertisers to connect with passengers in, in high dwell environments. So programmatic trading in that airport environment does give advertisers effectively a risk-free re-entry, if you will, into that environment. They can get back into that um, airport environment without the risk of, of lockdowns affecting their spend because they are in complete control and they can pause and adjust their campaign in response to any changes. So I think it's a great way to re-enter some of those more uncertain environments like airport and rail have been over the last few months. Um, and, and rail, of course, we are looking to bring online as well. We're currently upgrading all of our players in our rail environment um, and hope to bring those on by the end of the year. Uh, Steve also touched on the, on the yield side of it, but yield's holding up. And this has been the big concern. Pro, for, you know, I've, I'm, I'm in publishing for a thousand years and that was the big concern, um, you know, a decade ago when when programmatic come through is, you know, how do we how do we keep paying the bills because it, it could be a race to the bottom. It seems like that's not happening in, in digital or programmatic digital out of home yet. We're certainly not seeing it. We're certainly not seeing it, Paul. And there are some people I still think who do fear that is the eventual outcome. But what we're seeing is the opposite to that. I think contrary to some other media channels where programmatic was seen as a means to monetize remnant inventory at low CPMs, programmatic out of home is absolutely not that. We are trading premium inventory, the exact same inventory that our direct IO advertisers are, are buying. Um, and the technology is moving us, if you like, from a traditional broadcast medium into the addressable space in a similar way that we saw with linear TV and the emergence of BVOD. So like TV, um, programmatic out-of-home CPMs are on average higher than a broadcast traditional out-of-home CPM. But I think where advertisers have more complex campaign strategies, uh, only wanting to activate their campaign where certain conditions are met, for example, this is where programmatic technology really offers great value in enabling these more complex executions efficiently. And advertisers, I think, acknowledge that paying a slightly higher CPM, but having that greater control over the execution is a net positive for them. And similarly, I think where we're seeing advertisers that are new to out of home, um, but are already really active programmatically across other media channels, they're comparing their programmatic out of home CPMs to CPMs of those other media channels, and they're seeing real value in the out of home offering. I've got to ask Gay, is, is, is digital program or programmatic digital out of home in terms of its yield management, Gay, is that is that an outlier for some of the other sectors or is this increasingly the norm? It's increasingly the norm. And look, the video market really changed that. So, you know, if we think about digital display 10 years ago, absolutely, that was a problem. As videos come into the market, they held their prices, all the new, ch all, all the sort of the emerging channels, audio, digital at home has had the benefit, I guess, of um, it showing its worth and, and value from a programmatic point of view, which in the end is actually helping digital display. So it's dragging everything back up. So it's a, it's a different story these days. Hey, well, we've got a couple of minutes left. So Louise, I've got to ask you, what's next for HBF for you? Where, where is your, where's your horizon? Yeah, look, as Cass said, I think it's about um, being able to become a bit more sophisticated in our messaging uh, and the way we go to market and, and finding where the audiences are and playing to that. And, and that provides an opportunity to really nuance big brand messages and or product messages in different environments. And I think, um, you know, programmatic out of home just augments the messages you've got in other channels and gives you that flexibility, that creative cut through and is actually a bit more flexible. So I, I can see it fit into a, you know, an integrated mix of media 
to uh, support campaigns. We're, we're very happy with the results. Now, I'm entirely off script here, but I have to ask, I'd like to ask every marketer this, and how much time do you spend thinking and doing in and around media full stop versus all the other things you've got to do from tech to customer to so forth? I'll give you a heads up. Most say somewhere between 5 and 10%. Suncorp CMO said a couple of weeks ago, Mim Hasten, at the moment it's about 60%, but that's she's in the middle of negotiations. But what would, you, what would your hunch be on how much time you spend average? Yeah, look, it's a really good chat. I, don't, I would say it's probably five to ten but depending upon where you sit on you know on your planning cycle it might be a bit higher than that at a macro level steve louise cass and gay thanks for joining a really interesting conversation in a probably um an exceptional boom market which we don't hear too much about these days in media but here's a good news story so thanks for joining stay safe and uh we will talk this mi3 audio edition was presented by paul mcintyre that's more producer nick slater music by matt dwyer For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.